Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. One of the things I like to talk about is travel. And when I attend different meetings, some people who are on dialysis think they can't travel. And today I'm with Harvey Wells, and Harvey Wells is bigger than life. And I'm going to let him tell you about all the things he's done. And we're going to have a discussion how to travel when you're on dialysis or you have a transplant. So please welcome Harvey to the show. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate you talking to me and Like you, I enjoy travel, and I think it's the one thing that can help us uh, deal with whatever we're coping with, Uh, seeing beautiful places and historic places. It's something I've always enjoyed doing and probably developed it as a young child, traveling around with my grandparents and my parents. So tell us a little bit about your background with kidney disease. Now, I see you've been on a number of modalities, and and you're on your second transplant. So just give a recap of where you've been. Well, I first learned I had kidney failure when I tried to join the Navy at the age of 18. Uh, But at that time, I just showed uh, some some deterioration in the kidneys from my blood work and my urine. But uh, I didn't at that time have any outward signs of kidney failure. But fast forward 20-some years, and I was having my ankles were swollen, and I had high blood pressure. And at that point, I went to see my first nephrologist, and I was diagnosed with FSGS. Um, He told me at that time I'd be on dialysis within six months, but it was actually uh, four years after that that I had to face the decision as to uh, what uh, type of dialysis I wanted to do. And at that point, my wife's uncle was on peritoneal dialysis, or PD, And so that's what I chose while my wife and I got worked up for my first transplant. And while I was on PD, even though it was six months, I took uh, several trips, uh, one to Florida, uh, one to North Carolina, and I was living in Ohio at the time. And, uh, you know, I did my exchanges. I did manual exchanges during the day. I wasn't on the cycler. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was on, on peritoneal and the cycler for nine years, um, age 14 to 23. And I, you know, I took the machine when I wanted to go somewhere, but then I went backpacking up in Bishop and, you know, carried bags along with me. Everybody carried a bag and, um, you know, it was just out for a couple of days, but, you know, went camping and, you know, did everything I wanted to do. I just knew how to take precautions. So I always tell people, like, look, you can you can travel. It does take a little more planning. <laughs> well, exactly. That's 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 just the thing. When you travel, you have to plan. Right. And like you, I, at that point, I was pretty active. I played a lot of golf, and I actually did exchanges out on the golf course when I was playing golf. You probably didn't have to heat the bag. You just put it on the back, right? Exactly. Well, you know, what's, what? when I was on, it was back in the mid-'80s, and um, they didn't have warmers. And actually, at that time, um, you know, they even uh, said you could microwave the bags. But I never did because they, they told me even then you had to watch out for the hot spots. Right. If i got to watch out for anything, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, you know, it can warm you up on a cold day. <laughs> 
<laughs> you put it in the refrigerator and it can cool you off too, you know? So there are some advantage- advantages. Yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, I, I learned then that if you left the bag up in the back window of the car, it, it, it provided as a fairly good warmer. It does, doesn't it? You know, I always felt the bag. If it felt too hot, I wouldn't use it. Like you said, on a hot day. You know, a nice cool bag would be sort of refreshing. Well, you know, the bag was like the right size when I traveled because of a rental car or anything. I could just put it right behind my back. And it would just give me that extra lift where I could, you know, and then kind of get warm. And it was nice and cozy because, you know, it's nice to have a waterbed on the back of your back. <laughs> That's what really what it is. Well, trust me. I mean, I've, <laughs> uh, I've done dialysis in some places I know probably would scare some people, but... <laughs> I went to a ball game at Jacobs Field. It was in a suite, but I actually did an exchange there. And, uh, um, you know, I I just didn't let it slow me down. I mean, it was very... Uh is very portable and uh, very doable, and you know, it's, you just had to take the time and take the precautions to set up. And you know, I never had an infection. I was only on it for six months, but in six months, I traveled to, like I said, Florida, North Carolina, a couple of golf, uh, golfing trips, and uh, yeah. So I was busy. I was going. So your wife gave you the gift of life, and you know, everything went smoothly at that time. I. Um, I believe, reading from your story. And what were some of your issues with traveling after you got your transplant? Well, after the transplant, I don't think I really had many issues. Um, um, I actually came off the road. I worked, I, I worked on the road for 26 years in the car rental industry. And, uh, you know, so I traveled quite a bit. And really after my first transplant, I sort of reeled it in a little bit and didn't travel as much for work. But I did still travel for pleasure. And I think really the only thing you have to watch for when you have uh, when you're when you have a transplant and you travel is your medications. Yeah, definitely because you know I've heard of patients checking their medication. You never, never check them, and you don't even. I even now I learned the biggest place of theft in is when you're going up the ramp and there's not enough place for your luggage, and then you have to give it to the guy to put under. The plane, now, I don't know how true this is, but um, they, you know, I, if that happens to me and I just have a carry on, I pull my medication out and put it in a different bag that I'm putting under my seat. Exactly. And I've done the same thing. I will tell you, I used to travel around with just like one of those uh, uh, weekly pill planners. Mm-hmm. And I got stuck in North Carolina this past year, you know, and I only had enough medications, and I usually pack one or two days extra. But my extra had run out, and I wasn't able to get home to get my my uh, pill box refilled. So I actually had to have Peggy send me uh, my pills from there. But it was pretty, you know, with the weather like it was, and I was running out of medicine, I was getting a little bit nervous. I mean, you can always... Uh, like, it depends on where you get your prescriptions. If you get them at a CVS or a Walmart or, or, a, or you know, or a, a Walgreens or Walmart, for that matter, you can go in and they can transfer your prescriptions and you can get, you know, enough to get you by or even if you get a new order, you can just transfer. 
So I've had to do that from time to time. Well, when we had the Northridge earthquake out here, it was interesting because a couple of patients, we had like this little directory where people could call each other. And um, we were sharing medication, you know, because all you got to do is find another transplant patient and the odds are they're taking the same meds you are. So um, it's, uh, you know, with social media now, you probably could have just put a a Facebook post, any patients in North Carolina that take Celsept and Prograf and... (laughs) And you probably would have had a bunch at your doorstep. I have seen that on Facebook with people traveling mm-hmm. on dialysis, you know. So, so um, now, when I first met you, you were the king of RVs. <laughs> um, and can you explain a little bit about how you became the king? Well, I don't know if I'm the king, <laughs> but I do remember when I, uh, when my transplant failed, I went in center for a year and a half. And what um, did it just putter out, or what happened to it? Well... It didn't give me a a explanation as to what caused it. I think they used the term uh, chronic... Uh, chronic rejection? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, it, was, it was eight years. I mean, I know that's not very long in some transplants, but uh, I can tell you, uh, particularly since it came from my wife, uh, not only did I have to deal with the depression of, uh, losing my kidney, but also, you know, I had to tell her, and I knew she would take it hard as well. Right. And, uh, you know, so it was a pretty tough time. Well, the good news is is that they have um, donor-specific antibody tests when you get a living donor transplant, which is awesome, which really can help prevent chronic rejection. They can pick up on it, and um, I'm very excited about that because I get that test every six months. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's pretty amazing technology. So I I'm, I I'm, um, don't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to get that little tip that there's hope in every aspect of healthcare. But after it failed and I went in center for a year and a half, I mean, it was, it was really not a good time for me. And um, I think back to almost making the decision to come off of dialysis because I didn't feel like I was able to thrive. And um, I had already learned about, you know, home hemo with uh, Next Stage, and I had done some research on it. So when I found out that my center was offering the therapy, uh, I jumped on it right away. And, I mean, almost immediately I started feeling so much better Um, I tell people I felt like a kid with a new toy at Christmas, and I couldn't wait till I took it out on the road to to play with it. (laughs) And uh, the first summer that I I trained uh, in March and April, and uh, the first uh, summer that I was on Next Stage, I rented a condo in Florida, and I bought a conversion van to drive down there and take the machine and my supplies, and I asked my daughters at, at, at the end of the two months I was there if I could take the boys and we'd go on a road trip, and she agreed. So, you know, we loaded up the van after the two months down there, and we took a trip. Uh, it lasted about three weeks. We went up through the east, up the east coast to uh, Cleveland, and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We went to the Browns training camp. Uh, spent a week at a friend's house on a lake up in Ohio. And then from there, we went down to Chattanooga and uh, spent uh, spent a couple of days there visiting the Tennessee Valley Railroad Museum, uh, Lookout Mountain, Ruby Falls, Rock City, and uh, and the Tennessee Aquarium. And, uh, and I mean, this, these were like 
you know, we were there several days, and in the evening we'd come back to the hotel, and my wife and I, we would set up the uh, um, the machine, and we would do the treatment, and the boys would take off for the swimming pool, and, you know, <laughs> we'd have dinner, obviously, before we'd start the dialysis session, but it was really just like a normal summer trip that you would take, you know, with your kids, or in my case, it was my grandkids, and... Uh, it was just a great time, and from there we went across uh, Tennessee over to Memphis, and we visited with Elvis. Did you find Elvis? He was resting. Oh, he was resting. Okay, because the, the rumor is he's still alive. Well, I think I know where he's at. <laughs> well, you know, I did um, uh, Next Stage when I was on for, you know, the year prior to getting my transplant, and... You know, it's when you go to a hotel, you have some advantages because the bellman will bring everything to your room, which is nice. I mean, you're um, a little bit bigger than me, so it may not be hard for you to to carry. But I couldn't, you know, I couldn't lift the next stage machine. So, you know, they just, you know, put it in the, um, you know, on the cart, bring it to the room. And and it worked out really well because, uh, you know, hotels are really well at accommodating people with medical issues. You know, even like bringing a fridge if you need to, you know, store insulin or something like that. So, um, yeah, they they really want to accommodate you. In fact, it's, you know, they might get in trouble if they didn't. Um, I think they're a little worried about that. But I think normally people want to help you. Yeah. And, I, you know, the one thing I have found, and, you know, even though I'm, I've got a little bit of size on you, um, I still could not lift that heavy case off of the belt or uh, pull it out of the car. But I have always found... Now, Peggy and I usually could handle it together. Mm-hmm. But um, I've always uh, found that when I go into an airport, you could find somebody to help you with it. Uh, even standing around the luggage belt that your luggage comes off of. And I just ask somebody to give me... I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask somebody for help. I've, had, I've never had anybody tell me no. I know. Well, well, I think we have that in common. People don't like to say no to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and, you know, most of the time, I don't even think I told them what it was. I just said, I've got right. a heavy box here that I can't lift off the belt. Could you give me a hand? And usually, it, you know, of course, when they help me with it, they say, what have you got in here? And at that point, I'll share with them what I do. And, and you know, but, I, you know, people can do it. They have to have some help. You know, every now and then. We all need help. And, you know, the thing is, is that both um, all home dialysis, you know, peritoneal hemo, they will drop ship supplies for you at your location. Well, exactly. You know, but you never want to like, you know, they don't drop ship a machine for you. That's obviously the one that you have to like take with you or transport. Um, You know, I would take my peritoneal dialysis machine and just put it in my trunk. And that was a little bit lighter than a a next stage machine and then if I was just there a couple of days throw a couple boxes of supplies and the way you go and um but if you're you're you know gone more than a couple of days the companies are really well at drop shipping supplies so you can have them at a location like with next stage they will drop the supplies at where you're at um if you travel for like three days or more rather than having to take all of the supplies with you but it I mean the the simplicity of travel with a little bit of planning and, uh, and just, uh, you know, just, just making the preparations you need to do before you travel, you know, it just, uh, it, it, it's not hard. 
it's not difficult. The dialysis providers and equipment providers have, you know, specialists who do this. Like if you're in center and you want to travel, you probably have to make a little bit of arrangements a little bit quicker than you do when you're in control of your own schedule if you want to get into a facility. Let's say I know some people have had trouble like going to vacation destinations. There may not be a lot of spots available. So you have to you have to make plans ahead of time. And a couple of problems I ran into when I was in center, um, and it was before I was a Medicare patient, is you had to worry about your in-network and out-of-network right. um, locations. And I know I was traveling to North Carolina one time, and they were going to send me to a center which was like 60 miles from where I was staying. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> and we were able to get it worked out. But, you know, I do remember that being an issue with uh, commercial insurance. And, you know, they said, well, as long as you're, within 40 miles, and that's what they were showing me. But I'm like, well, from this place to this place, it might be 40 miles, but I'm like 10 miles the other side of that or more. Right, exactly. It makes it a little bit more complicated. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, out of my 13 years on dialysis, I was 10 years on home dialysis. So I'm obviously, you know, a little biased um, <laughs> to one because... <laughs> Um, can you tell us anything about when you check in at an airport, what you need to do? I mean, because of the fact that do all airport personnel understand dialysis or what can you do to help educate them? And, and are you charged for checking the machine? Well, there's no charge for checking the machine or the supplies. Okay. Um, and there, are, there have been several memos out to that effect. I will tell you that it's like educating one counter agent at a time. And, and you've got to put yourself in their position. I mean, they probably do not see a lot of dialysis equipment being checked at the airport. Even with the number of people that do home dialysis, that one agent seeing a machine, that might be the first time they've seen that machine or heard about that machine, whether it's peritoneal or home hemo in their life. And they really... They don't understand sometimes, so it's like educating them one person at a time. Yep, you know, they just, you know, that seems to be the story of your life when you have kidney disease because a lot of people aren't aware of it. They're like, what? You don't have kidneys? What? You know, and then you get two responses. Like, then they don't want to talk to you because it's like, you know, they're thinking about their own, you know, life or they're really curious and they ask questions. I had one agent tell me one time if I was that sick, maybe I shouldn't be traveling. Well, maybe you should have said in response, well, if you have such a bad personality, maybe you shouldn't deal with the public. <laughs> well, I wanted to say more than that, but Peggy was with me, and she pulled me off of the counter. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I guess it's good to have the yin and yang in a relationship, right? <laughs> but... um you know, going back to my, after my road trip with the boys, it was like three weeks and we'd gone about 2,400 miles. At that point, um, you know, I just felt like I had had the trip of a lifetime being able to spend it with them. And, you know, the one thing that I thought to myself is I'm like, there is no way if I'd have been in center, I could have done that. Right. And at that point, you know, I made the decision, I, you know, I, I found out earlier that only one in eight people that were on dialysis were aware that home was a, was an, home hemo was an option. 
you know, actually a lot of people aren't even aware that PD is an option. I think more people are aware of PD, and I know when I talk to people about home dialysis, they almost immediately say, yeah, they've already talked to me about that, and I don't want that tube in my belly. And I'm like, well, no, home hemo is like what you're doing in center, and it is different. But the point is, is I felt so much better, and I wondered why more people weren't doing a home therapy, and uh, the next year after the first year I traveled with the kids, that's when I got hold of Next Stage. And uh, the last three years that I was actually on Next Stage, I traveled over 60,000 miles. I, I estimated I stopped at 150 different facilities in over 37 states around the country and talked to hundreds of patients about home hemo. And did you have an RV? I mean, didn't you have it set up in an RV? Yeah. Yeah, that's when I first met you. And that's what got me started. I really, you know, I never had an RV prior to being on dialysis. Uh, my dad used to, we used to travel. Um, uh, he traveled for work and he had a travel camper that we drug around the eastern part of the country and we spent, you know, we spent time in it. But, you know, it's something, I guess, you know, in my mind, might have been on my bucket list, um, particularly traveling with my grandkids. I mean, I feel like I'm very fortunate to be able to do it. But I tell people it's not so much that I had the ability or that I had the freedom to do it, but I actually felt like doing it because I was doing a home therapy. Mm-hmm. But even traveling in an RV does pose its issues. I mean, you have to have supplies dropped, and you have to arrange for that. But, um, you know, it's doable. It's like a challenge. You remind me of Bill Peckham, who likes to do these crazy adventures all over the country, like going down the Colorado River with the machine. And part of the fun is actually making it work and planning, right? And then you're like, you're finished. You're like, wow, I did that. You know, when I was first thinking about home dialysis, and I tell Bill this all the time, I saw I, I saw him on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to do what this guy is doing. And, I mean, I remember I met him for the first time in 2009 at the ADC in Houston. You know, he, he really, I, I call him the original wonderless as far as I'm concerned. No, definitely. And he's dialyzed in over 21 countries, I believe, and... Uh, and this is even in center. He wins the gold medal. We, I, I just think we should give him the gold medal, not even discuss it anymore. That would be fine by me. And, you know, he's been an <laughs> inspiration for a lot of us. And I think what he shows and what I hope my story tells is that you can do anything on dialysis if you just put the effort into it. Right. You're not homebound. You're certainly not at the end of your journey. And for me, you know, in a lot of ways, it was the beginning of my journey. My life has opened up a lot more, at least with my family and going places and being more aware of my, I guess, my mortality, you, if you will. You Although made, I keep telling people I'm going to pick up spare parts along the way. <laughs> you, you're, you made meaning out of your medical issue, and there's nothing more um, moving. I mean, that's, I'm trying to get all the M's together, but um, it is, you know, you have a bad situation and you find meaning in it. Um, well, to wrap up a couple of things, why don't we give some tips to the the people listening? Because I think, you know, if you're doing home dialysis and you're traveling, you should know where a center is near you. I mean, just in case something happens, you should know where the emergency room is, all those little things, because... 
you know, you can't be prepared too much. I'm sure you're aware, and I know I'm aware, particularly with PD, if you end up in a hospital, you better make sure somebody is on staff or they know who to call if you have to do a treatment in a hospital. Right. You know, I mean, I, when I, I was the first child to go on PD back in, um, when I was in the hospital, my mom and me were doing the exchanges. There wasn't anybody who knew how to do it. And, um, you know, now it's changed. It's a big facility, but that was back in the, you know, late 80. I mean, excuse me, late seven, like 79, 80. So um, you have to. And then also it's really important to just carry some kind of documentation. I'm a little lax on this, but, um, you know, just to, to have a, a letter that you're traveling and the medicine, um, this is particularly important when you're taking like painkillers or you're taking some kind of narcotic. I don't take any now, just transplant meds. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you can take some if you want your hair to grow. I mean, but it's not going to do much more than that. No, here's something that I found out is that if you're traveling with medication, they should be in the bottles that they came in. Right, definitely. Because if you put them in like a pill box, you know, somebody says, what is this? And you don't, you know, you don't have the bottles they came out of. I mean, they can confiscate them. They can confiscate them. And, you know, it, it is. I, I mean, I carry packets in my purse, but when I travel, and I, I need to brag, I'm only on like four different medications right now. It's absolutely amazing. So it's not hard to carry the bottles, but it is hard when you're taking like 15 meds. You know, you need an extra carry-on case for your medication. And then if you're on insulin, you have to, you know, you do ice packs. I mean, when I was taking EPO, I mean, I would travel with that and put it in like a little ice pack when I traveled and was able to give myself um, injections. But, you know, at the bottom line is, you know, you can plan trips. You can go stay with people. And, you know, have you ever met anybody? I've met a couple people. I haven't done this, but there's dialysis cruises. If you... Uh, you know, a little bit costly, but if you want to go and have somebody else do the treatment treatment for you, there are cruises available. That's true. And like you said, they're costly. And there was one trip that uh, I think there was like 10 or 11 uh, next stage uh, users actually took a cruise out of Miami and they had all their supplies sent to the port. And, um, you know, they went, they didn't have any issues with their machines and uh, they traveled with those. And I I've known several patients that, you know, plan cruises by themselves and and go. And same thing with PD. I mean, right. They just, people who are able to travel because even though they have kidney disease, I think are going to be more positive about what they're dealing with. And they're going to feel better about it. Well, a change of scenery helps everybody. I mean, no matter what situation you're in, just a different scene, you know, helps you cope, I feel. Um, well, and to wrap up, I mean, I see that this, this show is pre-recorded, but in two days you are going to be celebrating a kidney anniversary, or I like to say happy P-Day. So you did get another transplant. It was a deceased donor, correct? That's correct. And how is that doing? It's doing fantastic. I wake up every morning and I realize there's no way I should feel as good as I do. You know, I'm very mindful of the uh, family and I don't, you know, I do celebrate the day that I got the transplant, but I also realize there's another family that's um, not in a celebration-type mood, if you. And, uh, you know, I feel for them, but, you know, I'm happy that they made the decision that uh, they made, and um, I'm very thankful. My family is very thankful. Um, you know, 
I, I, like I said, I hope I can live into my hundreds just to make the math work on this. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's a great day, but it's a sad day for some too. So, but the gift of life, I think just, it reminds us of a lot of things. I mean, our bodies are designed that we can use the spare parts and they work great. Um, I'm a big proponent of making uh, people aware of organ donation. And uh, my wife, uh, you know, we didn't even think about it, or she didn't even think about it. It was almost a natural reaction uh, when she found out I had kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So a transplant's a wonderful thing. And, yes, I've got three years coming up. And, uh, um, you know, it's 32211. My first transplant was on 62298. So. I just celebrated three years, too. And... You know, RSN came up with a bunch of designs called, um, you know, you can go to our website and find them, but one is called Queen of Parts, which I have a mug, and we also have King of Parts. So, you know, maybe you need to, to think about that because we both are uh, King and Queen of Parts. We've had so many of them. Well, Harvey, thank you so much. Um, I guess I'll look for you on the road. I'll look for you on the Internet sharing uh, positive stories about home dialysis and, and living a great life. And thank you for all you do. You're a true inspiration to so many in this country and around the world. Thanks, Lori. I mean, you, you have an organization that helps many, and I'm always uh, happy and honored to take part in uh, your poker tournament that you have every year. Um, I plan to be back out there for that. And uh, just all the things you do. The one thing I haven't been at yet, but it's on my bucket list, is your renal prom. I just think that's a fantastic thing to do for young people that may not have that opportunity in their regular environment. I just think it's uh, wonderful all that you do. And and uh, I've met so many wonderful people. You, you're at the top there. Well, thank you, Harvey. I talk about you all the time, and, uh, and particularly your your size and I remember a couple years ago something about not not uh I'm taller than I look I am taller than I look because everything is about perception and so if I tell people that they'll think I'm taller than I am so um you are much (laughs) taller than me well thank you Harvey and uh we'll see you on the road sounds great Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.